and welcome to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast dedicated to the Chelsea women's team. I'm your host, Jersey Park Humphreys. I'm back from Australia. I am back in lovely Worthing. I was going to say sunny Worthing. It's not actually been that sunny today. Uh, I can't quite compete with the, the beautiful blue skies of, of Sydney that, that I had last week. Um, but we are back, joined today by Abdullah, Abdullah and Ollie Glanville. We are going to do a little bit of a roundabout tour of Chelsea women's news because I don't know about you guys, but I'm still in a bit of a World Cup fug. I'm trying to get my head around the fact we're back in club football land. I can't believe I'm going to be watching Chelsea play on Sunday in their first preseason friendly. How are you guys getting over that World Cup sadness from an English perspective or but just general at the end of the World Cup madness? <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't speak for Ollie here because I'm not English. Maybe by, maybe just by the extent of the amount of English people that I know, maybe by actually, no, my sister has a British passport, but by some technicality, I'm going to consider myself British. So, <laughs> by that, by that logic, you know, I'm still, I'm still a little bit heartbroken. It's fine, you know. It's kind of, you know, I kind of wish, you know, we would have won. It'd have been great, but you know what? It is what it is. Got to a final, can't complain. Things are great, uh, and now just sort of looking forward to club football so I can get back into it. Though I don't know how much football overload that's going to be, but. We'll have to figure it out. Yeah, similar to Abdullah. Obviously, I'm just I'm just really proud of of the girls getting there. Um, I thought, yeah, we were we were pretty exceptional in at times, and then pretty average at times, and then just when we needed to like <laughs> come through and be at our best, we kind of receded slightly. But that's you know that's old ground now. Um, I'm looking forward to welcoming back uh, Chelsea women, the best Chelsea team, and uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, very exciting. All right, so we've got quite a lot through to get through today. We're going to start by just sort of doing a bit of an overview of who's been back at Cobham, who's been training, who we might expect to see in that Roma game, um, which we're looking forward to on Sunday. We'll talk about Alcio Abdelino, who's gone out on loan, and maybe what kind of shape that leaves the squad in, who else we might be expecting to see go before the window ends. Um, also, a little chat on incomings, although maybe not for this summer, but Chelsea have obviously been linked to Kyra Cooney-Cross. We will dive into who she is, in case you don't know, um, and why that's very exciting, and I hope we sign her. Um, and finally, we'll have uh, a little uh, look at Tanya Oxtoby, who who's moved on from the Chelsea coaching squad to take the senior Northern Ireland women's job. Um, but yeah, so Chelsea have obviously been back for a couple of weeks now. We've had players filtering in quite a big chunk of players who weren't at the World Cup, but I think this is something, Abdullah, that's like quite interesting maybe to start with. Obviously, players like... Katarina Svitkova, Elena Chankovic, Aaron Cuthbert, Sophie Ingle. Some of those players maybe have bigger roles to play this season than others, but how big of a benefit do you think it is for Chelsea that they've been able to start training with actually like a pretty decent core, whereas, you know, you look at some other squads across the WSL and maybe they've, well, in some ways you could say they're luckier because they've got like more internationals who are at World Cups, but like Chelsea almost have this funny selection of players who play for smaller countries, so therefore don't qualify and have had almost that whole summer off. Yeah, I, I think I think Chelsea are lucky in that sense, right? Because I, I would much rather, in a weird way, be in this Chelsea position where I've got the best of the quote-unquote smaller countries who don't qualify for these international tournaments as much, but have their best players. And so that when it does come to these international tournaments... You have this core group of players who are there available, rested, fit, ready to play preseason and all that. And then they can kind of help elevate 
the fitness levels of the players coming back. So you've got in in off the top of my head. I mean, I look at I look at Chelsea compared to most other clubs. They've probably got the best ratio of top players that have gone to the World Cup and top players that have not gone to the World Cup. Like you just listed it out, right? Spikova, Kankovic, Kasper, Ingle, Aggie Beaver Jones, right? Just give some examples of players that are there versus Nuskin, Lawrence, Everard, you know, uh is obviously injured, you know, Millie Bright to come back, uh, Jess Carter to come back. So you've got like six, seven players to come back, but to kind of combine them with the five, six that are already there with top class players, I think is is uh is a really good mix. And I think I think it just benefits everybody because then, you know, the newer players that are coming in, whether they were at the World Cup or not, in the case, for example, like Mia Fischel and, and Nikki Everard, um, they can they can slot right in, get in a little bit of an early start, blend in with the squad uh, better than, than, the, than the girls who've already been there and, and kind of know everybody and know how the place works, you know, like a Millie Bright or a Jess Carter. So overall, I think, I think it's a good thing the way Chelsea have done it. I've got it rather. And, and and the way they can potentially get the squad going and it makes it puts less pressure on the returning players to have to get super fit and ready for the first game just in case there's a little bit of niggles of injuries here and there because you've got such a you know well balanced and really high level squad yeah ollie it's interesting isn't it because you know obviously when you are in this sort of world cup year or euros year and i think especially this year because the world cup was so late although also obviously the WSL starts really late and you know Chelsea aren't like Arsenal who you know they've got their first Champions League game next week which seems bonkers to me in terms of like players who they might have available and you know obviously we're in this kind of fortunate situation where we've got some players who are going to basically get six weeks or so pre-season and even you know players English players who are in that playing in that final are still going to get a really good chunk of time even though they've had holiday after that final um, but obviously what Abdullah was touching on there is also we've got like lots of new players coming in. Um, Nikki Everard, Mia Fischel. Yeah, they obviously won at the World Cup. Uh, Fischel obviously is, is the more recent signing. Um, but also we've seen Shukanuskan and Ashley Lawrence participating in training. Um, what do you think that's going to like bring to the squad? Obviously, it's kind of must be fas- fascinating as a squad member when you're coming back. It gives me like school vibes. You know, you come back in and then there are like some people you know and some people you don't know and you've sort of got to feel each other out. Yeah, definitely. And this Chelsea squad, as we know, Emma's kind of fostered a, a competitive family is how I would I would describe <laughs> it. They're all kind of supportive of one another, but they're very much like, how can I get ahead of each other? And for the players that you've already talked about, it's, it's very much that's their mindset as well. Um, and as you touched on, you know, Arsenal United have these uh, Champions League qualifiers, which we don't, thanks Barcelona. Um, and that gives us a lot of time to bed these new players. And I think that's going to be really, really crucial. We think back to the kind of memes of us starting WSLs in years gone past, um, you know, after the Olympics, after the Euros, and now after a World Cup, I think there's extra time with with potentially you know, key incomings, or I would say they are key incomings, to be honest, coming in. It gives them time to get up to speed in the case of people like Kat Macario, but also just to bed in and understand what it means to be a Chelsea player. And I think that's really crucial going into the new season. And it gives them that kind of build up to uh, Spurs at Stamford Bridge on the first day. Yeah, I will say the other person who still needs to come back for preseason is Emma Hayes, because she obviously was in Australia. Um, well, you know, respect for her. Uh, why not? You've got the time. Um, you can have your team sort of go in, get 
fit and then you can come in and do all the sort of the tactical stuff on top of that I assume you don't really want to really go all in on that when you don't have your whole squad anyway um Abdullah one player who we will be um getting the feels like a new signing klaxon out for is Frank Kirby who is back in uh, training has been basically since since the start of everyone coming back to to Cobham. Some really nice quotes from her uh, talking about sort of her rehab, saying, I've been really happy with how it's gone. I was in over the summer doing my rehab, trying to make sure I was doing everything possible to be able to be back. When I had the surgery in May, I knew my season had ended and I could really focus on getting myself back. It's been a real relief and a lot of stuff has been taken off my shoulders, especially with the injury I had. It was just in my body. Um, it wasn't somebody who tackled me or I'd done something that I shouldn't. It was just something I couldn't play with anymore. It's been a relief to have that surgery, to have that taken away, to be able to build and work on myself and other things, not just my rehab. I've been able to get robust and have a proper preseason, which I haven't had for many years now. I've enjoyed it and it's good to have the solid weeks to build into the season. And like what Fran says there, Abdullah, obviously like reflects so much what we're saying. It's just for these players, often it's like constant, especially if you're a high level international like Fran is, you, you're away with your national team, you're back in club, you don't get this time to come back, you know, especially after an injury, you're constantly carrying, you know, niggles and stuff. And like, it's just go, go, go. Um, obviously, Fran is a player who's gone through a huge chunk of injury issues. Uh, she turned 30 in June. What do you think this season holds for her? And how important is it that she's maybe had that time to sort of ease herself into to coming back into full team training? I'm sorry, Frank Kirby's 30 years old now. I'm afraid Frank Kirby's 30 years old. Yeah, what? I know. It makes me feel old as well. Don't worry. I'm 31. Why does she feel like she should be younger? Like this, this is no, I, I, I consider myself older than most of the players in, in women's football in general, like at the age of 31. Yet when I hear like Frank Kirby's 30, like what? I mean, Millie Bright just turned 30 years old as well, right? Just a few days ago. So yeah, I'm still old. fine. Technically, I'm older than Millie and Fran, but this is, this is weird. Anyway. That, that revelation aside, <laughs> uh, no, I think it's great. I, I think I think Fran is, um, so, I mean, sometimes people forget how good Fran is and that when she disappears for a while like this, you're kind of like, oh, Fran Kirby's good. Yeah, yeah, we know she's a good player. But, you know, recency bias in a way goes away, which which, which helps. And, and then suddenly she starts playing. She scores like one or two goals and the way she scores them, so you're like, Oh, this is Frank. Oh, yeah, we used, to, we used to get this Frank Kirby all the time, you know, and you just suddenly get that realization that she's so, so good. I mean, if what we if we can take what she's saying and she's like, you know, she feels like she's really in a good place and the rehab is going well, I would not be surprised if Frank Kirby ends up being Chelsea's player of the season again this year. I mean, just it's just Frank Kirby's that kind of player. Come in, you keep her fit, and, you know, she will she will produce goals and assists for you out of nowhere you know I, I think it's she's just one of those players that um i, I just hope for all, for everyone's sake she has an injury free season coming up and we can just see the best of franco i'd love her to score like 25 goals this season just 25 goals 10 assists absolutely smash it in goal contributions win a league let's win the champions league and then you know frank kirby is, is that player that 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 walks um that walks chelsea to it but I think, yeah, I think huge boost, especially with Sam Kerr still kind of maybe carrying that calf injury that we don't know how that's going to look like. Um, if I remember correctly, the end of the third place playoff, she thinks she hurt her other other calf as well. She she, she was, a lip, it was a bit of pain over there. So I think having Frank Kirby back allows Chelsea to maybe 
ease Sam Curran a little bit slower than they need to because you've got Fran there. Mia Official's obviously fresher because she's had some match fitness from, from the Mexican season and kind of coming into to preseason now properly and playing that. So you've got Mia Official, you've got Fran Kirby. So, you know, in that sense, you've at least got, a, and then Kankovic is there, obviously. So you've got a couple of players there that could probably take the load off Sam Kerr if she isn't 100% fit and needs a couple of the games to get back in. So, yeah, huge boost for, for Chelsea from an attacking perspective. Yeah, 100%. And you've kind of touched on someone there, Abdullah, which leads in very nicely to my next question, which is obviously we've got this first preseason match against Roma on Sunday. They are visiting Kings Meadow. Oh, my God. I cannot wait to be back at Kings Meadow. That is just delightful i can't wait to see the big tree again i missed the big tree all summer um we will get to see her but who else will we get to see not just the big tree she won't be playing football but she will be there uh but me official i think is someone i would really like to hopefully see playing that game um ollie what kind of team are, are you you expecting obviously these games are very much dictated about who's been available who's been involved their opportunities especially this early on for players to get match fit as much as anything as you know as I say Emma Hayes was in Australia so I doubt we're going to see a grand tactical master plan for this one um but who who would you like to see yeah Mia obviously I think she's going to be a really exciting player this season um I'm also intrigued by uh Aggie Beaver Jones as well if she, if she gets a, a run out especially when we were saying about Makari missing out and uh Sam potentially coming back with uh a strain or, or something similar. Um, just to say, in terms of Fran Kirby, I think we saw a lot of her role this season, I think, in terms of her punditry during the World Cup. I think she's going to be a massive mentor for like all of the young forwards this uh, going forward this season. I don't think she'll play every game, and I don't think it would be fair to ask it of her. But I do like the idea that we have this kind of rocky theme music every time she comes back every summer and she feels really comfortable in her own body now so Forza super friend is what I'd say this this year but yeah in terms of Sunday I think it's going to be a real mishmash of players who maybe did go to the World Cup and didn't play a lot I'm thinking like Shipnuskin maybe might get a lot of minutes here I'm just looking at what defenders are here and I'm like presumably we're going to have to see Shipnuskin in defense because it's like her and Kadisha Buchanan it, as central defenders. That's like I don't know who else is available. Yeah, we're going to pioneer a one one eight, and it's it's just going to work. We'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it is really intriguing. Um, I I do like the fact that the the kind of it's it's not as much of a big deal for us this summer as it is for some teams. Obviously, they've already started their seasons in terms of the Champions League, as we were saying. Gives us kind of a nice way of betting in these players, I think. You know, Roma are, are a decent side. They performed above their level, I'd argue, last season in Europe. Um, and they they keep getting stronger as well every year. So it's just a nice kind of temperature check for players that have been here this summer and look really excited to get going. And I feel from their tape have looked really exciting before they joined us. So, yeah, it'll be nice to see players who we didn't see so much or built into the season kind of showcasing themselves this Sunday. Yeah, definitely. And it will, it will certainly be interesting. I think we, we might get an interesting idea about, yeah, who's who's maybe more in Emma's plans than other players. Although, as I say, it'll be interesting to see exactly who starts because I don't know what's happening in terms of maybe we'll get some more, for example, the, the Norwegians who obviously got knocked out in the round of 16 and stuff, those, those kind of players coming back. Um, 
But okay, let's take a ad break here. Then obviously we will um, talk more about that Roma game once it's happened and what we've learned from that. But we've got a bit more squad chat to get through, I think. Um, so yeah, we'll take an ad break here, and when we come back, we'll have a little look at the shape the squad is in. So the Chelsea Lone Army has another victim. <laughs> Victim? I don't know. I think this one is a victim, to be honest. Um, Alcio Abdelina is off to Paris. She's in Paris now. There were pictures of her in, in a shirt playing for them in a friendly. Um, so, yeah, she's gone for the season. There was no contract extension, or if there was, no one said anything about it, which makes it seem unlikely. Um, she was on a two-and-a-half-year deal, so by my money, Abdullah, that means we have seen the last of her in a Chelsea show ever. Yeah, I think so. And I, I think it's one of those where you're just like, well, what was the point of that signing in the first place? You know, because if it's just two and a half years, no extension, and she played like a handful of games, and even then it was like 20-minute cameos, then really what was the point? Um, and the fact that she didn't go out on loan last season, I th if, I, if I'm not wrong, I think a couple of loan moves broke down for whatever reason. So it just makes the entire signing so weird um that i don't even know but i mean listen great player seems like she was she was she was fun around the squad the girls liked her i think everything was great it just you know it just wasn't one of those players that was up to scratch maybe emma expected more from her in training and then and then the talent really wasn't there <coughs> on display in training but listen I hope she smashes it up for Paris FC in, in, in France and, uh, you know, she secures uh, either a full-time move with them or or goes somewhere else. But, yeah, I, I think I think um, goodbye, Alsu. It was, uh, it was nice knowing you, but uh, see you later. Yeah, um, pour one out for the Alsu Abdelina stands because I know they exist. Um, it, it was a bit of a bizarre one. I don't really know what on earth went on with that one. I Yeah, part of me also wonders if just, like, Emma's been bankrolled more than ever before. And if there, there is a world potentially whereby she did see Alcio Adelina as a development option, but then suddenly you're being given whatever salary money you need to bring in Ashley Lawrence, e.g. You know, she was signed, I think, at a point when Chelsea were really struggling to find any movement in the fullback market. Um, I mean, it was a pretty bizarre choice, I think, even looking at that market, but it is a bit different when you can then go out and get Ashley Lawrence. Um, but yes, Abdelina, obviously she is still a Chelsea player for now. She joins a seven-strong lone army by my count. It is kind of hard to keep up, but uh, I've got Alsa Abdelina, Rihanna Blades, Lewis, Charlotte Wardlaw in Glasgow City, Micah Hamono obviously will be back at Hammerby, uh, Emily Ormond's gone to Reading, Alejandro Bernabe at Real Sociedad and Brooke Aspen, Bristol City, obviously those two new summer signings for us. So, Ollie, where are we at, do you think, on this? Who who still needs the loan? One of the goalkeepers, surely, Hampton or Everard, has to go, you would think. We can't have four goalkeepers, that makes no sense. Um, unless we're going to sell Musevich, for example, who did obviously have a very well, good World Cup. And, you know, there was a world record goalkeeper offer for Mary Earps. Clubs are looking, clubs are interested. Who do you think we're going to see sort of moving on from the squad? Yeah, it does feel like a goalkeeper is going to move. I actually think Sunday will be really interesting to see how Nicky Everard starts off. I know it's just the first preseason game and things like that, but you know Emma will be watching wherever she is if <laughs> she's going to be back on Sunday. Probably. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where I think as you touched on, she does have that extended budget now, and I feel like. 
brought in Ashley Lawrence as the starter at fullback. She's now got Bernabe as the development option. I feel like it's a very similar thing with the goalkeepers. Hampton is the development option here. Um, Emily, who saved a brilliant uh, shot um, and got a Reading a point yesterday in like one of the last few minutes. Um, she's going on loan. I'm not sure she will come back, but we'll see <laughs> not the extension. Um, yeah, I think it's it's a kind of it's a tough one. To me, it's between Everard and and um, and Musovic. Um, Musovic is obviously team of the tournament in the World Cup, as far as I know, pretty much unanimously. Um, so her stock has never been higher. I'd argue probably since Karen Carney said she saved my penalty. She's brilliant. Um, <laughs> that's what the I mean. only penalty she has ever saved. <laughs> exactly the irony there. But yeah, um, I think it's definitely between those two. It will be really interesting to see how that battle progresses over the preseason. I think it will just come down to who Emma values more. And you know, we can't we can't forget the moment where in the in the documentary, dramatized or not, when she brought out all the players and said, "Look, if you're not good enough, you're going to be replaced." That is how she still feels, no matter how she treats the players. And I feel that's going to be the case with the goalkeeper. Yeah, definitely. And and Abdullah, I guess if we look at the rest of the squad, there are also outfielders who we think will probably need to make way as well, particularly with that Fischl signing. I'm kind of trying to figure out who I think might move on. My sort of main options are Katarina Svikova, potentially. I feel like she's probably near the bottom of the talent list, unfortunately, despite the fact she is very versatile. Anik Nowen, also a player who obviously has been on loan before, will had a pretty unimpressive World Cup, um, you know, pretty much at, well, not at fault, but did terribly on the goal Spain score in extra time against the Netherlands. Um, and then there's kind of the Aggie Beaver-Jones question as well. Obviously, she's homegrown, which, which adds a little bit of intrigue there. Who... Do you see any of those players potentially making way to to make that squad size fit? I think you have to, right? I mean, shout out to Harry Edwards, who's been asking this question for probably what seems like years and years and years. Who's going to go? Who's not going to go? Why do we have so many players? How is this going to work? And I think it's a question everyone's asking. Um, I think the squad needs to be trimmed to some extent. I think there's just it's becoming... the what the men had where you had like 50 players in the building. Obviously this is that version of that where you've just got like a bunch of players. You're like, you could all play, but do we really need everybody? You know, it's, it's, it is, it has to be a plan in place. I'm assuming they can learn from next door and they, you know, they have better planning. I think, I weirdly want to give Svitkova one more season because I felt like it was just, she just got injured so early on in that season last year that you were like, she didn't really have a chance to do anything. I mean, I know Altsu didn't really do much when her for a full season, but that's different. So Kova at least has WSA experience. She's she's a bit older, um, and and she she there's a decent player in there, right? And I feel like she will probably be deserving of another full season just to kind of show her role as a backup player. Um, you know, all things considered, playing at different positions. Um, I think. You know, we talked about it before. Anik Nawa, this was this the World Cup was supposed to be her stage of like proving that I can replace Magda, and the opposite happened, where she just just didn't happen. I mean, that I don't think I've ever seen a moment in football, or I probably have, I just don't remember a moment in football that defined a player's career in that moment was when Nawa got 
run past by Salma Paruelo in that game against Spain. And now you just knew her Chelsea career was over in that split second. Like it was just flashed before her eyes. And you're like, I'm sorry, that's it. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're done. I mean, if you can't, if you can't stop that in a one-on-one, what are you going to do in the league? So yeah, I think, I think I need, I think I think time is over. Um, she had she had a good start to her career in Chelsea. I, I really did think that she was a really, really good uh, covering centre-back when we played in the back three as well. I thought she was perfect for the back three, but I think I think her development needs to probably will move on somewhere else. And I, I can see a mid-table WSL team picking her up. I don't, I you know, someone like a, vill- a level of Villa or something probably would be better for her development and, 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 and you know, who can give her more game time and... Uh, I, I still do think there's a top player in there. I just think she needs to hone her craft and play 90 minutes uh, um, a week. So, yeah, I think I think Anik still wants it to, to make way. All right. Well, the transfer window closes on the 14th of September. So there definitely needs to be some movement because this squad is big right now. Um, one player who has moved on for anyone who is a Chelsea Academy head, Emma Thompson, who had been on loan at Lewis. She moved permanently to Southampton in the Women's Championship. Um, okay. Obviously, we're talking about players leaving. There is still always chatter about players coming in. We will take another ad break here. When we come back, we'll talk about one of those. So this player might be effectively sort of one of the most hyped players, one of the most hyped young players of the World Cup, um, especially someone who has a bit of a transfer question mark overhead. It is Kyra Cooney-Cross, 21-year-old Australian midfielder, currently at Hammerby. Um is Arkansas of the Evening Standard reporting that Chelsea are in talks to sign her. Um, long been a target for Emma Hayes, and she's looking to choose her next club because her Hammerby contract expires in January. The Swedish season season ends in November. Um, that will be fascinating as well, obviously, because that will sort of be the end of Michael Hamano's loan deal there too. Um, Ollie, this is a player who almost needs no introduction. I think if you were watching the World Cup, you'll understand why people are so excited about her. She started every game for Australia. Um, her partnership with Katrina Gorey was one of the most impressive midfield partnerships at the tournament. Why are Chelsea and a number of other clubs so keen on signing Kyra Cooney-Cross? I think she's just she's just a catalyst, right? She, I mean, we, we've got here the in terms of the data that she's a she's a press breaker i think it's even more than that she just she she's a tactics breaker really i mean you 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 set up against australia in this world cup and everyone expected them to play one way and as soon as they needed any kind of plan b they turned to Kara Cooney cross basically it was like give her the ball and she will make something happen um and it was kind of an antidote to the fact that they only played uh, could only play direct in the earlier stages they grew to trust her more um, during the tournament and she really blossomed and I think she was essentially the story of the tournament without Sam Kerr if that makes sense for the host nation I think yeah this is this was her stage and it's interesting she's another UCLA grad UCLA Bruins grad so if she was to join us it would be um it'd be Jesse Fleming me official <laughs> and her to complete the triumvirate yeah um Definitely a player, Abdullah, who lots of people are understandably excited about. I think her just like calmness and ability on the ball um, were really clear to see at the World Cup and have come from a really long period of time where I think she's just made really smart decisions in terms of where she's played, obviously sort of coming through um, uh, at the Melbourne victory. Um, 
some time at Western Sydney Wanderers before going off to, to Hammerby, um, where she's equally looked very, very good. I think um, I've watched quite a lot of her there, obviously, because I've been watching Micah. Um, but what do you think these links mean for Chelsea's midfield? I feel like we've got a ton of players who are not the same as Kyra Cooney Cross, but like occupy the same kind of spaces. I'm thinking of players like Melanie Leupoltz, like Sophie Ingle, Aaron Cuthbert, Jesse Fleming. You can chuck Jelena Chankovic into that mix. Um, Kat Makario, Shokanuskan. We sure as hell aren't short of midfielders. So what... I think it's dumb to ask, like, what did Chelsea see in Kyra Cooney Cross? She's 21 years old and just played an amazing World Cup under so much pressure, as, you know, Ollie just described in terms of, um, you know, what that Australia team went through without missing through Sam Kerr. So... Rather than looking at it from that angle, what do you think these links mean for the development of Chelsea's midfield? Where do you see Chelsea's midfield? Which of those players do you see being in the mix in sort of maybe two or three years' time? I think if Chelsea do sign Kyra Cooney-Cross, then I think this kind of comes down to... I think it can go one of two ways. I think if they sign her, I weirdly think it means that Sujika Nuskin is a centre-back because... That's one less space. And if you're replacing Magda with Nuskin, then it sort of makes sense if you're going to sign another midfielder to play in the midfield spot that we thought the Nuskin was going to play. So there is that one option, um, that Nuskin moving into, into, a defense, into a defending role. The other thing is, I think it could just mean that one of these players, this I think we it could just mean that there's a big move happening that we don't know yet, that there's a big name midfielder that's going to move on and Chelsea are just like, all right, we need to replace you. We're just going to get the replacement in first, and then we're going to sell you. I don't know who that could be. I know that Jesse Fleming has just re-signed a new contract. Obviously, Leupold's has as well. But would it be... I, I want to say it's a surprise, but if Jesse Fleming was was sold to a really good offer, and maybe there is an offer on the table, and they're like, hold on, let's see if we can get Cooney Cross in to replace her, then maybe we do the, do the deal. Because I don't see how you can bring in... Kyra Cooney Cross, who would want to be playing a decent, I know she's young, but she'd want to be playing regular games for development. But then, if you've already got other younger players like Jesse Fleming and, and, and players like that, Kankovic, whatever, you, you want them to be playing more, how do you balance the minutes? Because I know injuries are a thing, but if there's one place Chelsea are well stocked in, it's midfield. And actually, if anything, Chelsea are stocked in all over the park. But, um, you know, okay, fine. Is is this the long-term Sophie Ingle replacement in the squad? Maybe, but then you're overstocking it. We already have squad problems of who's going to be there, who's not going to be there. So I, I find it a very, very difficult one. But if you go back to your original question of asking who's in the mix in the next two, three years, I think, obviously, Nuskin, I think, is there. Macario is there. I think it's, Weirdly enough, a make or break season for Kankovic. I would personally keep her. I think she's a great, but I think I think she needs to have a decently good season this season to stay. Um, I think I think Leupold's in two years might be gone. That's my gut feeling. And again, make or break for Jesse Fleming because that's that's another one where you know if she does well, great. If she doesn't, I think she goes next year. And Erin's default. I think she's going to be there. Sophie Ingle, I think this is her last season. So we say that every season, Abdullah. I know we do. I know. Okay, she's just gonna. You know I've what? given she's... up at this point. <laughs> Fine. I'm just doing it for the sake of the theory. This is her last season, but realistically, she's gonna be signing a seven-year unlimited contract. 
you know, just staying at the club. Todd's just going to be like, you're going to be the first eight plus one contract we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> the Chelsea women. Sophie Ingle playing since she's like 45. Um, but assuming Sophie Ingle is just going to be in the background as a backup, backup to the backup for the next seven years, um, they probably need to replace her in, in some weird way. So to roundabout question, I just think that the, every player here has a possible chance with the exception of maybe Leupels who move on and that the signing of KCC makes no sense in the amount of players that we have. I don't know if it answered any of the questions. Yeah, I'd, I'd, and to touch on your point, I think it's it's also the fact that you know with with uh, Anik Nowen, you were touching on the fact that we've kind of moved away from a back three as well, and with the signings, the fullback signings, I do wonder if we're considering further forward another formation change because, as we know with Emma, every single summer she's like, if it's if it's not broken, break it. <laughs> so, like, I, I feel like that could be another big possibility here. Yeah, I do think the Jesse Fleming thing will be a really interesting one to watch. Um, she obviously did sign that new deal, uh, but obviously the Cooney cross links are for January. And if there's one league which we've seen, they find ways to spend money, it is the NWSL. They obviously, they do make moves in, in the summer. You know, obviously we've seen Rachvayeli sign for Orlando Pride, Es Gonzalez, who was a Twitter Chelsea target at some point. I, I don't really know what was going on there. Um, she signed for Gotham. So... Obviously, potentially, that is that is something that that Chelsea and Jesse Fleming might be interested in in terms of if there was going to be someone moving on. I feel like that there would be a logical sense there. Um, but yeah, look, it remains to be seen. Um, obviously, interestingly, Kyra Cooney Cross does have the same agent as Frank Kirby, um, so. Chelsea know the agent well. Um, I think that's safe to say. But equally, I feel like she's probably going to have um, her pick of clubs. And it'll be really interesting to see where she does go next. Because as I say, I think she's been very shrewd in terms of where she's looked to play her football so far. Uh, let's just wrap up by talking about Tanya Oxtaby. Um, Obviously, uh, Oxtaby joined Chelsea from uh, Bristol City. And she joined as an assistant coach. Um, she's moved on to head to the senior women's manager role at Northern Ireland. Um, Abdullah, Tanya Oxby is one of about a gazillion uh, coaches Chelsea have been lucky enough to have. Um, I've always felt like she was clearly too good to just be an assistant, um, even though I think it's a role that obviously worked for her uh, at the time. Um, but I think it's exciting, right, to be able to see uh, Chelsea coaches going off to do um, bigger having more responsibility in roles, even if I would say they're probably not better roles because who wouldn't want to work at Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I think, you know, she um, she came in, she did a season or two. She, I think she, she definitely had an influence over the place. And I think from a leadership perspective, I think she kind of helped with Emma's leadership group if she has one in terms of a, a backroom staff. And to be able to kind of, you know, lead a group and, and be able to kind of maybe players for someone to go and talk to and kind of have that other shoulder to go on that isn't Emma Hayes who can feed back the information. I think that was hugely important. Um, you're right. You know, you'd like these type of coaches and these type of personalities to stay on and kind of help fill that role. And I, I think I think in sometimes in a weird way, it's much harder to replace these sorts of roles for, for clubs because You've, you've got an abundance of players in different positions and you can always do things and make something work. How you find someone that has the leadership, respect, and the sort of know-how, knowledge 
from a backroom staff perspective can is, is a very limited pool like unless you you pick up the best of the best from a club or you know someone really really well and you really trust that works with the group then sure but how many people are you going to know maybe maybe emma hayes is at a place where she can just like call up a, a karen carney be like hey do you want to come coach for a season and just kind of here hang around the club yeah sure why not i'll come through right she can probably make a call like that but I think I think when you got someone with the expertise of of, of Tanya Oxby, I think is uh, definitely one that'll be that'll be missed. And um, you know what? Good luck to her as the uh, you know as the, as the as the senior you know women's manager at, at Northern Ireland. And I guess it's a it's a chance for her to maybe kickstart her own uh, top level managerial career. Yeah, my main intrigue, Ollie, will be going into the new season is that Tanya Oxby had my favorite job, which is that she got to stand on the gantry and be Chelsea's personal tactics cam. Um, so I guess we need to find out who's going to be on the walkie-talkie this season, up by Big Tree. Maybe Big Tree's become sentient over the summer and she's taking the role. Yeah, I was going to suggest we put in a last-ditch <laughs> massive big for Big Tree. And now it is sentient. It's run by AI. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's what we've done. I actually think it's a really interesting... Um, case of a really experienced professional moving into coaching and it working out as well right because she was a centre back for many years in Australia went to Bristol City and then came to you know the best team in the world as an assistant and it's it's worked out for her and I, I wish her all the best um at Northern Ireland and you know potentially that's a road we could look into in terms of replacing her um further down the line maybe someone like a Sophie Engel mm interesting interesting all right well we'll see obviously if there is any more movement in the the coaching staff emma seems to have uh people with ua for licenses coming out of her ears uh in terms of who want to work with her and i can't blame them to be honest i think you know anyone who works in coaching would understandably want to work with emma hayes uh but that wraps us up for today abdullah ollie thank you very very much for joining me uh, we'll be back later in the week for some more cfcw chat but until then chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high